0: We're going to turn our attention to the book of Genesis, chapter 15. I don't know how long I can stand. I am absolutely depleted. I feel as if anything and everything that I had can be laid on the altar the past couple days. And um, I give honor to my friends who are more than friends. They are men of God that I admire, that I look up to. I love Brother Chris Green. I love Landon Gore. I made mention this to our church just a couple of days ago when they were here together ministering on Wednesday is, you know, my, I remember speaking at an event and I just felt very vulnerable. I felt very uh, susceptible. I felt naked. I felt just incomplete of the severity of the task that was set before me because my pastor wasn't sure if he could be there but just before I went up to speak my pastor showed up and it felt like I had my security blanket I felt like I had my umbrella I felt I felt okay and that's how I feel when I'm with Landon and Chris uh, I feel like this event and when they were anytime they're at our church here they've been here over the years I feel like you know I've been on a playground with bullies and I'm a little nervous to go to the playground with bullies. But when my big brothers show up, I'm like, come on now. And I'm ready to talk smack because these two guys are going to whoop any devil that's going to come my way. I I genuinely, sincerely love them and I honor them and I look up to them. And as they both mentioned, I'm thankful that iron sharpens iron. You know, we provoke each other and uh, sometimes for fun and sometimes for For just spiritual benefit. Amen. Genesis 15 18. I do not have a sermon today. It will not be a clear, coherent thought. But I do have a burning ember in my soul. And I simply am going to try to convey what God has put upon my soul. And uh, so... It might not be one of these note-taking sermons because some people preach and, like, you know, it's just like this methodical, passionate, awesome. You can just, like, write and write. I don't know if this is something you're going to write. I think it's just something that you need to absorb. I believe that God wants to impart into your spirit. So I would not be too obsessed with taking notes today. Uh, Again, we are recording it, so you can go back if you would like to. I just would ask you to engage your spirit. With the Holy Spirit here today. Genesis 15, 18. The Lord made a covenant, an agreement, a contract with Abram. The covenant agreement that the Lord spoke said, Unto your seed I have given this land. Someone say, This land. Someone say, A covenant. This land. The river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. God made a covenant with Abram. But a covenant is not one-sided. Abram still had to make a covenant or enter into covenant with God. And the covenant was about the land. It was about the region. And the promise of God is in your covenant with this land. We have a promise from a God who cannot lie. We are a promise for this region from a God who cannot lie. And good faith, healthy faith, accurate faith does not interpret the word of God simply as scripture that is just ink on a page. True faith, pure faith interprets the word of God as the voice of God. When I read the Bible, I am hearing the voice of God. People always looking for a word from the Lord. I have a word from the Lord called the word of the Lord. If you ever need to hear from God, you open up. The word of God, just like someone would text message you and you read that text. That is their voice digitized that is being transmitted to you. We have a word that's been recorded. God just wants you to read this mass text message. That is the voice of God for your life. The promise of God is in your covenant in your land. Wherever you are planted, you must grow. You cannot be so consumed and obsessed with transplanting and hoping for greener pastures on the other side of the fence. And yes, it may look greener on the other side. It's just more fertilizer. It's more poop over there. If you need a little help of translation, wherever you go, it's going to be stink. It's going to be a mess. That's just the way it is. So why don't you just plant? Where Or grow where you're planted. Why don't you begin to take in the nutrients that is in your land. There's nutrients in your land. There is some soil that you're planted on that God says, look, if you get some roots in your land. If you get some roots in your region, you can find some deep nourishment. John chapter 11 and verse 49. One of them named Caiaphas. Being the high priest that same year, he felt like he was talking to me. You know nothing at all. You ever feel that way? The high priest just says, you bunch of jokers, you don't know diddly squat. You know nothing at all. And as he begins to speak, he says this, you nor consider that it is expedient. It is necessary. It is essential. This has to happen for us. That one man, someone say one man, should die for the people. That the whole nation perish not. Someone has to die for the people. Someone has to die for the land. Someone has to give their life for that area to reach that area. One would think none greater teacher, none greater prophet, none greater preacher than Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We would assume the greatest value is for his life to go on in the flesh on earth. But we know nothing at all. God's ways are not our ways. They are beyond ever figuring out. They're higher than our thoughts. And Jesus was more effective dying than he was living. And if we are claiming to be Christian, we are more productive and we are more effective dying than we ever will be by living. But there's got to be someone... That grows weary of living in your land. And you got to start dying in your land. God says it is essential. The prophetic move through a man. And says somebody has to die for the people. Somebody has to die for the land. Someone's got to give their life. And this he spake not of himself, but he was the high priest that year. He prophesied Jesus should die for that nation, not for the nation only, but also that he should gather together in one the children of God, the covenant that was made with Abraham that were scattered abroad. The death of one man brought the life of multitudes. These men of God have been in the Holy Ghost. They have paved the way. They have set the course, inspired divine words from the Lord. Deliverance. As a diet. There is a diet for the door that you want to go through. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I just wanted to say, like, release the obese talking about diet this whole week. (laughs) Feed your fat face. You know, I'm just trying to figure what, what can I preach here today? But I kid you not, I'm not one just to try to make a play on words, but as the ministry went forth last night, the Lord simply told me to say diet. Diet. Whatever it is, it's gotta die. Whatever it is that is holding us back from revival in the region, it has to die. <laughs> I was reading in the word of the Lord this morning. I always read the proverb corresponding with the day of the month. And in Proverbs 29 verse 1, it says, he that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Sometimes we can hear a word so frequent and so often the delayed response at some point becomes rebellion. And when it keeps being presented to you and you stiffen, you get more stubborn along the way by delayed obedience. God is not looking for delayed obedience. I like how Pastor Aaron Soto says it. When God gives you a word, he speaks to you. And then you got to go pray about it. You just spiritualize rebellion. Did not the Lord already say? So what's the delay? Hath not the Lord spoke? Why don't we just respond with radical obedience to what thus saith the Lord? The saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But this scripture declares if it ain't broke, break it. Whatever, whatever seems to be working for you. That's not what's going to bring revival in this region. You've got to be broken and it's got to die. Whatever it is in your life, if it would die, God would bring about the floodgates of heaven in where you are currently planted. Revival is not on the other side of the fence. Revival is in the region you are currently in. But you've got to let something die. So God can bring about the life you desire. would you lift your hands and voice and ask the Lord to speak to you in these next few moments God I pray every spirit that is not of God every spirit that is contrary to the Holy Spirit I bind it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord rebuke the devil the Lord rebuke the human spirit and I speak a liberty in the house of the Lord today I pray God as we go back to our region we go back ready to die for it and whatever it is that's in the way
1: it dies today somebody say yes Lord you may be seated diet diet
0: Nehemiah 3 five. There is a great work to be done in the days of Nehemiah. I preached about Nehemiah a few weeks ago at the district uh, district rally. And the Lord moved in a great way as he began to give us a passion for the work of the Lord. It's amazing. Nehemiah, he had it better, though he was a slave. He had it better than the majority of his brethren And he heard the same story, the same report day after day after day about the condition of the region that he was from. But one day when he asked how things were going, it was different that day. The response was the response that God was looking for. He was touched with the feelings of their infirmities. He began to weep. He began to repent. He began to humble himself. Long story short, God works a miracle to dispatch and release them into his region. And as he goes back, he begins to speak about the revival of that area and building what has been broken, the gaps that are there. And he begins to call the people to work. Everybody wants the wall built. Everybody wants the city built. Everybody wants revival. But some people, they're just too good to work. They're too noble to work. Nehemiah 3 5 says that the nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. That just was a little beneath the nobles. And so the nobles were not able to be a part. Of the revival, though everybody is invited to the revival. We're all got different backgrounds, different educations, and we're in different societal classes, but the people of God ultimately are supposed to be one. It's not that I don't do this, I'm willing to do whatever it is I can for the work of the Lord. But the people that got to be a part of the revival in verse 22, it says that it was the men of the plain. It was plain people that brought about the revival. It was the people in the Great Plains region that are going to be a part of this. We're not trying to fit in with New York. We're not trying to fit in with San Francisco. We're not maybe as polished as other people are, but that's okay. There's different types of people, but we live in a different land that requires a different type of work and labor. And you don't have to be educated. You don't have to be a business professional. God builds walls God builds churches with plain people so I've determined I'm I don't have to try to be what other than I what I am I am a people of the plain and we are here to have a plain revival John chapter 12 verse 23 through 26. Jesus speaks and he says, the hour has come. The son of man should be glorified. We should be letting Jesus be glorified and lifted high. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground. And someone say, die. die. It bideth alone. Die it. Right there. We abide. Alone. If we don't diet properly. But if we die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Two different diets there, in one scripture. You, you, you can diet and be alone, or you can diet and bring forth much fruit. Hyphens are afraid to die alone. We talked about that yesterday in the panel discussion for a moment. But if you don't die, You'll always be alone. But if you die, you be
1: fruitful. The fear. Oh, what if I? What if I become an old maid in Pentecost?
0: Because like in Pentecostal years, it's kind of like you know dog years. You know, you know, like a, a, your puppy might be one year old, but it's really seven years old. And you know, you might be twenty years old, but in Pentecostal years, you're forty two years old. Oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm an old hag. We age differently in Pentecost as single people. If you don't get it, ask for the interpretation after service. I'm afraid to die alone. Don't make companionship with a person your fulfillment of not being alone. Die to self. And you'll never be alone. You will be fruitful. If you learn to die. In the season you're in right now. Whatever season you find yourself in. Stop trying to live the way you want to live. And say God. I'm not afraid of being alone. I want to die. And be fruitful. Jesus said if you. Love your life. You're going to lose it. But if you hate your life in this world, you're going to keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me and where I am there you will be also. If anyone would serve me, if you just die, you will be honored of my father. See, here's the deal. If you die for Jesus, you'll never be alone. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's nobody like my Jesus. I love my wife. We've been married 16 years, but my wife has never given me an experience like Jesus gives me. Oh, there's a sweet peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm thankful for the comfort of my wife, but there's a comforter called the Holy Ghost. You can find everything you need if you die. First Kings 19 Elijah goes and he finds Elisha plowing a field. There's 12 teams of oxen in the field. Elisha plowing with the 12th team. Elijah goes over to him,
1: takes off his cloak, his mantle, across his shoulders. And he puts it across
0: the shoulders of Elisha. And then he walks away. And as he walks away, Elisha. Senses something. He feels it's just a piece of cloth. But when it was on him, he sensed something. And he stopped what he was doing. And he took a siesta. He left the oxen standing there and went after the man of God. He ran after the man of God. And he says, First, let me go kiss my father and my mother goodbye. And then I will go with you. He began to contemplate and weigh the decision. And Elijah replied, he says, go on back. But think about what I have done to you. It's one thing to experience what we experienced yesterday. Now I'll just say this. What happened yesterday was not common. What happened yesterday was not ordinary. When the spirit moves in such a fashion... God is not casual and careless with his spirit. It is very pointed with precision and with purpose. It was intentional. And all of a sudden, the Lord just laid something across you yesterday. And you got things going through your mind. He says, you go on back. But I want you to think. Think about what I've done to you. We can have an experience and move on. We do it every day. That's how we're programmed. But do we ever stop to think about what God just did last night? No sooner than it was over, we were able to leave and go hang out. I'm not slamming, damning, condemning for what you all did last night, hanging out. Fellowship is needed. It was put in the program. But I'm just talking about a principle, how quick. We can go from glory to something else. Think about what he did to you last night. Elisha left the oxen standing there. Just in case. He had a plan B. And So the prophet says, think about what just happened. So when Elisha returns, he goes back to the oxen. And He slaughters them, it was the thing that needed to die. It was the thing that he had to kill, and he slaughters that thing that it, and it becomes a sacrifice and it also becomes the very thing that feeds him to go into his next season and He passes around the meat that sacrifice to the townspeople they all went, then he went with Elijah. As his assistant. I don't know what it is for you. But whatever it is. Is it has to die? It is the diet that God has called you to this week. Your deliverance has a diet, the door has a diet. But what is it that has to die? Is the question for you today. What is it that I go back home to that's still alive? What's my plan B that I'm going back home to? What's my security blanket that I go back home to? Whatever it is. It's your safety net that God says you've got to remove if you're ever going to come under the ministry that you desire to see. And Elisha said, oh, I like these oxen, but I like what I feel more. I like what the Lord has laid across me. And I want this more than the oxen I plowed with. I want it more than the family business. I want it more than anything
1: would you lift your hands and would you lift your voices
0: what is it that has to die what is it that has to be put on an altar what is it that's got to be given to God Hear me in the Holy Ghost. It is not always a sin. It is not always wrong. You can have it and still go to heaven. But you may not bring anyone to heaven with you. It was in the panel discussion, I believe, when you were, it was at the thousand and ten thousand. What a powerful illustrated point that is so true. It will stay and you can go. But nothing else goes with you. But if it dies, how many can you bring with you to heaven? Isn't that what we're really supposed to be all about? God, if it is my video game addiction. If it is my subscription. And if it is a movie. If it is a relationship. If it... Ha 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 I'm not saying you gotta put your education on the altar and watch it burn and die off. Because it is possible that God calls people into, uh, careers and God calls people into fields and God calls people to education. I know it. I believe it. I have watched it. I have seen it. I have benefited from it. I believe God. It's not either or. It can be both and. But here's the ultimate point. Is the thing, whatever it is, is it part of God's perfect will? Is it part of God's perfect plan? And if it is not, then it needs to die. Here's the best way to do it. You take it, which should be everything and nothing less. And you put all of it on the altar and you set it on fire. And whatever remains, it can live in your life. But if it burns in the fire, God doesn't want it to live in your life. I've learned to put everything on the altar. Every day and every year, I put it all on the altar. And there's some years I get to keep it. There's other years it burns in the altar and I never go back to it. I'm telling you right now, we're too cautious. We're too reserved. We're so reluctant to put all of it on the altar. But it might be the thing that needs to die and it will get you through the door God wants you to fit through.
1: Hallelujah, I'm going to hurry, I'm not going
0: to preach long You guys got a long drive, you got a long journey So I'm going to keep it very brief here Genesis 28, 15 through 19 The Lord speaking through the journey here of Jacob Jacob lays his head, he falls asleep in this land And the Lord speaks to him in that dream and says I'm with you I'll keep you in all places where you go and we'll bring you again to this land. You go wherever you want. But I want to bring you back to the land. This is this is the covenant. That I'm trying to make with you. This is the place I want you to be. I'm bringing you to this land. And if you do that, if you come back to this land, I won't leave you. And I'm going to do that, which I spoke to you about concerning you. And Jacob wakes up out of his sleep and he says, surely, certainly, God, the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. God. Is in your land. And you can live in a land so long and not even realize God's there. In the very place he has a covenant for you and a promise for you. Jacob was trying to leave that land, but God says, I'm in this land. This is where I'm at, and Jacob did not even know it, and he became afraid. In verse 17, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. I know other people have things to say about this land, but this land, I now say it's none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven we have to wake up and realize where we are living your lame town is the gate of heaven your po-dunk backwards town is the gate of heaven your your land that you live in that gets 40 below It's the gate of heaven. A lot of people. I I've heard this time and time again. About know, I I, I, won't, I won't reference this one person from years ago. I went to Bible college with him. and and we were just kind of you know trying to catch up with where where you know his ministry, what's going on in his world, my world, and and he's just like, yeah, you know, somebody asked me to to go to this part in Canada, and and uh, he goes. <laughs> I looked it up, and I saw how much snow was there. I was like, no way. Didn't pray about it. Didn't talk to God about it. But because there was so much snow, he said no. And everything by prayer. But we do everything but prayer. What if God calls you to die in a land? If it dies, they live. And that's what we're after. That's what the preacher preached about yesterday. And you got to wake up and God is waking up this region. God is waking up the great plains to realize where we are living. That our lame town, our low populated state, our low populated region is the gate of heaven. It may not. You may only have one traffic light in your entire community. But there's a lot of spiritual traffic there that you may have never realized. He didn't know as he walked through that land. And as he slept in that very place. So comfortable. So casual as he laid there, but God woke him up. He said, don't you realize there's angels of the Lord here that ascend and descend frequently. And he realized this is not more, or this is more than a one traffic light town. This is more than Nebraska. This is more than South Dakota. This is more than North Dakota. This is more than Iowa. This is more than Minnesota. This
1: is a game. Of heaven This is the portal of God
0: The world may not pay much attention to this region The world may not have respect for this region The world may not recognize this region But remove this region from the world And it starves How are you going to do without our corn now? Let's take away soybeans and see how the rest of the world does. Let's take away the wheat and see how the rest of the world does. They need us more than they ever want to acknowledge. I'm telling you, the Great Plains has great value. And God wants you to wake up and see the value of the Great Plains. Just like we feed the nations. I'm telling you, not only naturally, but there is a mirror in the Spirit. This is the gate of God. And God wants to feed the nations from the Great Plains. There is a spiritual portal here. Uh It's why the devil fights us with slumber and lethargy and discontent. Because if he can get you discontented with the land, you'll move from the gate of God. You'll move from the gate of heaven. And you don't even realize it.
1: But if God can wake up the church...
0: In the Great Plains, and realize we're not off the far-beaten track. We feed the nations. We're going to be a high-traffic spiritual, just like the weather pattern. It flows from the north and it hits the rest of the world. It hits the rest of North America. I'm telling you, the winds of harvest. There's a wind coming through the great plains, and it's gonna usher in a faith that people are gonna recognize if God. can move there God can move here if we if we can have a breakthrough there will be a torrential flood that sweeps There's a spiritual portal here. There is a gate here.
1: Oh, ta-ta-ta.
0: This land is meant for the house of God because it is the gate of heaven. This land needs a house of God. This land needs a house of God. This land needs multiple houses of God. Every county. Look, I'm telling you, if other denominations can figure it out and put one of their churches in every county, we ought to figure this out. There's power in owning property. There's power in staking claim over a region. There's power of putting your feet in presence. Verse 18. Jacob Rises up early in the morning, takes a stone he put for his pillows, and he set it up for a pillar. He killed his pillow. And he says, You know what? I'm going to take my lethargy, and this is going to be an altar. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get up early. I've been sleeping too long, but I'm going to get up early. I'm going to build an altar on this land. I'm going to make my first stake a claim. I'm going to build a devotional life. I'm going to build a life of consecration. I'm going to do it right here on this land. I'm going to stop pretending that I'll turn spiritual. If I go on a missions trip, I'm going to stop pretending to be spiritual. If I move to a different state, this land is where I build. I'm going to take that pillow of lethargy and build an altar early,
1: early, early. Uh, So
0: he calls it Bethel But the city was called Luz At first People can say call this whatever name they want But I call it the house of God I call it the gate of heaven I call it the last frontier of Pentecost. I call it a promise of God. I call it revival city. This water town is water baptism in Jesus' name town. You got to rename your town. You got to reclaim your town. They may have called it something. Why don't you call it something else? They may say Fargo's too far gone. But say, no, we're not far. We're in the gate of heaven. We are Ata. You got to make up your mind about your city. Don't call your region forsaken. Call it the house of God. Acts 21, last portion of scripture, we're done. Verses 10 through 14. As we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle. I guess men wore girdles those days. Paul needed a diet. J K L O L F Y I B T W I K R. Am I going too fast? With that girl, he binds his own hands and feet. And he says, thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girl and will deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. The Holy Ghost has spoken. What's your interpretation? This is what will happen to the man that owns this and does this. Sometimes God says something and he leaves it open to interpretation, not any prophecy of Scripture. You understand I'm saying scripture's not open to interpretation.
1: But he'll just like that prophet. Just walk by and brush up
0: and see what you're going to do with it. The prophecy went forth. This is what's going to happen. What are you going to do with that prophecy? Oh, most interpretations, I'm not going to go there. I'll be in prison. I'll die. But it. Didn't scare Paul. He goes on and says, when they heard these things, both we or that place, the the rest of the comfort in Jerusalem says, No, 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 don't go, don't go, don't, don't go. Didn't you hear the prophecy? Didn't you hear the Holy Ghost? You go there, you'll get bound. You go there, you're gonna die. And Paul says,
1: What mean you to weep? You're killing me. You're breaking my heart. This isn't an easy thing. This is a difficult thing. I'm emotional. I love you. I don't want to step away from you. I don't want to stop
0: seeing your face. See, Paul had an eternal view. This might be the last time I see you here. But if it dies in me and it dies in you, we'll see each other up there. We'll, spe-
1: we'll, we'll catch up for eternity, okay? We'll catch up in eternity. Is that okay? Oh, I don't know if I can leave my mom and dad. I don't know if I can leave my family. I don't know if I can be away from them. my mom. He's got to die. He's got to die. He'll get to hang out with them for all eternity. God willing. But all of a sudden, he speaks here. He says, you're killing me. You're hurting my heart. But this it, this prophecy, this girdle,
0: I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need my name to live. I'll let my name die for the name that will cause people to
1: live. And when it died,
0: it says they saw he would not be persuaded. But as
1: long as
0: it's living, you can be persuaded the other way.
1: But if it ever dies in your life. can't talk me out of it. I've had a lot of people try to talk me out of a lot of things. But it died.
0: And I've determined the will of the Lord be done. I can take you to my grave.
1: It's located on 509 11th Street Northwest. There's a picture of it if they'd like to put that up. I died there. On the left hand side you see maybe a window on the left. A lot of things happened in that basement. A lot of depression happened in that basement. A lot of discouragement happened in that basement. A lot of isolation and loneliness happened in that basement. I went through the fight of my life. But finally... I died. I died there. And I was the greatest thing I ever died out to. That day. I made covenant with the land. I love the soil of South Dakota. But over time, God can bless and in those Blessings new things could come to life and those new things of comfort and joy. God will ask you, are you willing to let it die so something can live? My wife and I have died in Watertown so something can live here. But I've recognized
0: that God not only called us to Watertown, God called us to a region.
1: I never heard God tell me Watertown, I never heard God tell me to pastor. All I heard God tell me to do was go to South Dakota, and I'll die a thousand deaths to obey the call to South Dakota.
0: Dying ain't easy. It's why there's four horns on an altar
1: for the sacrifice. Because sometimes you've got to bind that sacrifice to the altar and let it die. I don't know what it is for you, but there's got to be a diet. It has to die. Because deliverance has a diet. To
0: get through that door. It's going to take a diet. What is it for you? What has God been dealing with you about these past couple days? And some of you, it's been longer than just the past 24, 48 hours. But God is bringing it to the forefront of your mind again.
1: And say, there it is. And it's still living. Let it die. Let it die.
0: I wonder if we could gather around this altar together. I don't know if this will be a five-minute altar call, five-hour altar. I'm not really pushing for anything. And I would not be offended if you have to go because there's legitimate legitimate travel arrangements. Some of you got to go to Sioux Falls to fly out. Some of you other airports to fly out. Some of you got to drive 15 hours. But I do want you to at least think about what the lord's done to you. There was a question we didn't get to on the uh panel discussion yesterday. And it was I think I may have mentioned or alluded to kind of it in an answer form. Is, you know, what do you do after a service? You, there's such inspiration. What do you do with it afterwards because the next day it's like I'm done. This is where you got to learn the art and the discipline of writing it down and look at it and remember when when god says to do something and then you got to go pray about it you're spiritualizing rebellion now take it under your spiritual authority your pastor talk about it absolutely but if you just keep kicking it down the road with prayer how long can we delay the call of god but what you need to do is take it and you need to take it daily. You need to die daily on that altar. There's got to be a daily prayer life because something deep and spiritual will fade and die if you don't pray it to life every day and let whatever it is, the other part of it die. You've got to let the call live. You've got to, God's trying to make a covenant with you in the land you're in, but you've got to enter into that covenant with God. And when you enter into covenant and Abraham had to make a sacrifice and he was willing to do anything and everything. The most precious thing to him, that it was his Son, And he took the most precious thing of all and he took it to an altar and said, God, I'll do anything, anything, even if it has to die. The very thing I've wanted, if it has to die, I give it to you. And it's at that point when God sees radical obedience that his hand will step in. I don't know what the outcome will be for you. Maybe you get to keep your career. Maybe your career goes up in smoke. But all that really matters is that God's will be done. Would you lift your hands right now? And would you begin to talk, talk to the Lord and say, Jesus, whatever it is, I will let it die. That is the diet God calls for right now. What would you just put all of it? Put all of it on there. That's relationship inclusive. That is career inclusive. That is anything and everything and nothing less inclusive. Put it all, every detail, every iota, every ounce, every drop, everything on that altar and stop letting the spirit of fear control your next decision of faith. Let it burn if it burns and say God's bringing out Something more fine than that. I'm gonna come out like gold after this altar call. I'm gonna come out fine as gold after this trial of my faith. <laughs> Come on, pray the will of the Lord be done. May the will of the Lord be done. He must increase. I must decrease.